Today's reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, from the Common English Bible Translation. Jesus told this parable to certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous and who looked on everyone else with disgust. Two people went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself with these words, God, I thank you that I'm not like everyone else, crooks, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I receive. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to look toward heaven. Rather, he struck his chest and said, God, show mercy to me, a sinner. I tell you, this person went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, and for the word of God within us, we say, thanks be to God. I want to ask you a question, but I want to be really clear that I'm not looking for you to answer verbally or with your hand or anything. I'm looking for you to simply see if you know the answer to the question. If we were gathering for a meal in the fellowship hall or sitting down to an ad council meeting or perhaps offering a small worship service in here and I asked you to pray, could you? Would you? What about at home? Or in your car or as you're walking into the doctor's office? Could you pray? Would you pray? So often when I ask people, regardless of age, children, youth, adults, about prayer, the answer given is, I don't know how. And I'm fearful about the look on my face when they say that because I don't think it's my pastoral epithetic face. I think I go with, really? And I go, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I remember living outside Chicago and I was out of work. I'd been applying to a certain number of jobs each day or week whenever the I was making sure to hit the minimum to continue to receive my unemployment check. <clears throat> and I'd been doing this for a while. And it had, it had been a noticeably long time since I'd received a response to an application, never mind an invitation to an interview or even a potential offer. And I had two roommates at the time, and they'd get up for work each morning, and they would leave me at the apartment computer to do my job applications. And everything I could do. And for being unemployed, it was a very laborious process. I was exhausted at the end of each day doing job applications. And it was incredibly lonely to see them get up and go to work each day and leave me alone in that apartment. And one day I just lost it. I was done. I was so deflated and I was so angry. And I was so low that I was just sitting at the computer and I started started crying. And so to try and compose myself, I, I got up to go into the kitchen to get myself a drink and something about the, the bodily movement of opening myself up that instead of calming down when I got to the kitchen, I, I just started breaking down into full body sobs. And then in the way that our emotions and our bodies respond to each other, then the anger began to boil inside me. I was a college-educated individual with experience in finance going back to when I was in high school, 
and the only job interests I could get were pyramid schemes. And it's amazing, I don't know how it is right now, but at the time, the companies were really good at getting me all the way in the door to the interview before I realized it was a pyramid scheme and had wasted my time getting all the way to downtown Chicago. But in that moment where the anger was building up, the sobbing soon turned to yelling, and I laid into God wholeheartedly. I shared my shame. I yelled my frustration. I expressed the confusion I was experiencing. I shared everything that felt yucky. And I was tired of feeling alone. I don't know how much time passed, but eventually, like a small child, I wore myself out. And that evening, my friends came home, and they made sure I ate a meal, and they put me to bed. I want you to know the next morning, after a good cry and a good yell, a good meal and a good sleep, I felt better. But ever since I yelled at God wholeheartedly for 20 to 40 minutes, I failed to understand the comment, I don't know how to pray. It just became a disconnect for me. Fast forward years later, and I got to Iliff, and this is when my empathy around prayer expanded dramatically because my understanding of prayer expanded. And I realized that the options for prayer are not just those personal moments of conversation or fighting, or the communal moments where we come together and either I put words to your prayers or I put words in your mouth through a uniform prayer in the bulletin. I realized during that time as I learned that there was more prayer than those two experiences that instead of there being a right way to pray, there's sincerely is no wrong way to pray. Except perhaps the way the Pharisee prays in <laughs> Jesus' parable. <laughs> when I began to open my eyes and my ears to the practices of professors and classmates around me at Iliff, I was in awe of the variety of ways people are communicating and nurturing their relationship with the divine. Some of the few ways I learned at Iliff include Lectio Divina, Prayer through repetitive reading of scripture and meditation of scripture. Labyrinths are like mazes without any corners or dead ends. Paths that allow you to carry in your heavy prayers with a word or a rock and to leave them at the center and then to work your way back out of the center seeking the peace and the relief of leaving it there for God. Praying with your body and letting the emotions and the words and hopes and worries be expressed through your arms and your legs and the movement of your head and your body. Breathing prayer. Sitting for 30 moments, much like meditation, but focusing on your breathing and actively listening for that still, small voice of God. The list goes on and on, and I found myself aware in that moment 
that nonverbal communication is as present in my relationship with God as it is between me and other human beings. We can talk some time about when I gave God the silent treatment for six months. It was only nonverbal communication. <laughs> Luke's account of Jesus' parable probably didn't see, foresee the myriad of ways that different cultures and traditions would create to engage in prayer. And yet, without saying much, Jesus does offer some clarity to how to pray. It's not about right or wrong, but the intent and the vulnerability that we come to the conversation with. As Jesus often did, he took what often would be perceived as the right or the proper way, what Pharisees were known for. They were black and white legalists. I wouldn't be surprised if we traced a Pharisee evolution through time, they would be our lawyers today. But instead of that right and proper way being the way that Jesus lifts up, instead he lifts up the ineloquent prayer wrapped in honesty and humility offered by the tax collector. It wasn't about doing the task. It was about the practice. Fred Rogers lived his life wrapped in practices of prayer. Prayer was woven into his daily routines. Each morning he woke up at 5 a.m. for prayer, reflection, and Bible study. And at 7.30 he took a swim at the local pool, whether he wanted to or not. Because it's what he did for his bodily health. Random tidbit, his favorite number was 143. So for like the last 15 years of his life, he maintained the weight of 143 pounds. <laughs> You're swimming every day. <coughs> but before he jumped into the pool, each morning, before he jumped into the pool, he would sing Jubilate Deo, which was a song Henry knew and his good friend had taught him from the Teze community in France, which introduces a whole nother style of prayer that we could talk about. He wouldn't do it too boisterously, but he did it out loud. And then he would jump into the water and have his swim. And at the end, come out of the pool like a newly baptized man for each day. And this was just the first few hours of his day. As he then got ready for work and he arrived at the studio each day, before he entered the studio, he would say a prayer. Dear God, let some word that is heard be yours. And this offered the framework in which he did his work each and every day. And then, in my perspective, his prayers took the forms of actions, teachings, hugs, puppeteering, and the life that he lived in between those morning swims. The intentionality with which he lived his life, <clears throat> excuse me, made his choices and led his staff and his television community were prayers for the people without words. Prayer, like most of our faith life, can very easily be a checkbox. It can be the rote lines before a meal, a nuanced, monotone rendition of the Lord's Prayer, or even the rationalized offering and justification that the Pharisee offered. Here's what I have to offer today, God. We can come to worship. We can pray before our dinners. We can drop our tithe in the offering plate. We can even volunteer a few month, hours every month, systematically marking off the things that we believe makes us faithful Christians. Or, like Mr. Rogers, and as Jesus' parable illustrates for us, 
We can enter into a relationship with God that suspends our own control and desires in exchange for the will of God. We can invite God to transform and grow us into disciples. And if you're not sure, ask a child going through a growth spurt. Growth is not comfortable. We can read and we can study and we can follow the teachings of a man who turned his community completely upside down by lifting up the marginalized and calling out those with money and power and status. We can let our life become a prayer, a dance, a relationship with God that sometimes comes in spoken words and other times in song and other times in living our passions with integrity, vulnerability, Prayer with bowed heads or walking a labyrinth or expressed with our bodies must be intentional. You've got to do it for it to change you. You've got to do it to be present and in a conversation with God. You've got to do it with transparency of who you are and what you have to offer. And God loves you for who you are, so you're not hiding anything when you do it differently. Prayer cannot be done wrong, but it can be not done. As we journey towards the cross this Lenten season, I want to invite you to see when you are inviting God into your daily routine. When are you sharing with God? When are you listening to God? When are you asking God to guide and lead and teach you? Maybe you won't sing for everyone at the gym's pool this week. But I pray that you find a way to dive deeply into your relationship with God. Intentionally. Honestly. And with humility. Each and every day. If you enjoyed today's message, we encourage you to find us online. You can find our website at louisvilleumc.org. On our website, we have our calendar, ways to give, a link to sign up for our email list, and more sermons. We are on Facebook at louisvilleumc.org and on Instagram at louisville underscore umc. Thank you for listening and have a great day.